You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Born apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake the booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host along with Ryan. In this two-part episode, we welcome filmmaker Casey Lemons and author and actor Terrence Terrell. In our first segment, we speak with filmmaker Casey Lemons, who's not only a director, but also a screenwriter and an actor. You may have remembered some of her films, such as Eve's Bayou, Talk to Me, and 2019's Harriet, about the abolitionist Harriet Tubman. She's back with her latest film, Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody, about the life of the legendary Whitney Houston. That episode is hosted by yours truly. In our second segment, we welcome Terrence Terrell. He's well known for his roles in Chuck Lorre's comedy series, Be Positive, and the Will Packer produced friendship sitcom, Bigger, the longest running Amazon series, Bosch, and the hit Hooray Media Digital series, Giants. He won the 2019 Daytime Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a digital daytime drama series for his role as Kawasi. He also wrote and directed the forthcoming animated short, Skin Deep, about a black boy navigating colorism and mental health. With intentions to empower and bring positivity to black youth, Terrence self-published a series of children's books under the banner, I Crown Me, including Blackie, a story of confidence, and My Little Black Book, inspired by black beauty and his childhood journey to love and acceptance. And this segment is hosted by Ryan. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring filmmaker Casey Lemons and actor and author Terrence Terrell. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Casey. How are you? I'm great. Awesome. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I want to say before I begin that I have been a fan of yours for quite some time. I wrote a paper about you in college. So, yes. uh, So uh, it's definitely um, an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you today about this film. Oh, thank you. Uh, Thank you for that. It's great (laughs) to speak with you, too. So in I Want to Dance with Somebody, the film sheds light on Whitney Houston and um, Robin's relationship, Robin Crawford's relationship a great deal. Did you take information from Robin's book when crafting together their narrative for the film? I definitely read everything and took from everything, you know? So even, um, even 
other books that had kind of a, a different perspective or a more emotional reaction to, to to their relationship, I thought were, you know, kind of informed the storytelling there. And um and you know, Clive and and Pat and um and Ricky Minor and people that knew her and worked closely with her. Uh yeah, definitely from from many different places. But I did read Robin's book. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that that's um, the insight that you got because it was very compelling seeing that dynamic of their relationship and we kind of learned some new things there in the film and mm -hmm. what I enjoyed most about the storytelling in this movie is that Whitney Houston is not depicted as this tragic figure mm -hmm. uh, you dig in mostly to her music and her relationship with Clive Davis so was it intentional to not go down that path of making her story tragic well, we kind of wanted to to do the correct storytelling. So you you wanted it to you want you couldn't avoid that part of the story completely, nor should you. You know, it had to be part of the storytelling. And yet, uh, one of my favorite things about the script, honestly, was that it ended with the medley. You know, um, and I thought that that was that that was very empowering. And what I brought to it, it were my feelings about Whitney and what I wanted to look at and what I wanted to investigate and what I wanted to celebrate and how I wanted people to remember her, you know? Um, and so all of that kind of went into it, but it was, it was quite a balancing act, honestly. And for that lasted all the way through post-production uh, with how we were telling the story. And um, we had lots of, uh, of options actually, because we had a lot of material and um, and there was it, there was modulation that was done even quite late in um, in how we were telling the story, and we kept kind of taking our own temperature and asking ourselves, okay, how do we feel about this? You know, um, it was very important to us to try and, and get that balancing act right. Uh, how do you tell this story without being bogged down with um, you know with, with with tragedy? Because her story was so much more than that. Uh, it would be, you know, I mean, I think you can, you can be tempted to go down some sort of, um, you know, salacious or tragic road. And that just was never an interest in any party that was involved in the movie. So there was no, nobody was tempted to do that. We all kind of wanted the same thing. We wanted um, a big, lush, entertaining movie that also felt authentic to, to her life story. And you had mentioned you had a lot of material to work with. I mean, Whitney lived such a rich life um, and she's such an iconic figure to so many of us. Um, and we already know so much about her already. So did you find it challenging to find parts of Whitney's life that haven't been told or scrutinized before? Um, I, I didn't find it challenging. A lot of that was in the script. I found it, uh, I found it refreshing and I found it compelling. So um, that, that the story with the Robin was in the script. Um, I really, I liked that a lot. And that there was some of the father daughter dynamic because that was something that I experienced when I met her. Um, I met her father at the same time. And, and, um, and he, you know, there were kind of what was presented to me, who this woman was sitting in front of me and, and, and what her father kind of wanted for her and he was interested in her image and the brand um, that moved me quite a bit. Um, and so I really wanted to, to look at her relationship at how she navigated her relationship with her family. 
uh, you know, that that was super interesting. And I didn't think it was that well known. I didn't really know it, but I had experienced it because I had experienced John. And um, I wrote a movie that John hired me to write for Whitney. Uh, so I wrote two movies for Whitney. The first was one that I, that I was interested in doing that I wanted her involved in. And the second was one that they hired me to write for her. Um, so I had to deal with John, you know, and, and so I felt that um, those were things that aren't that well known, you know, um, there's speculation about she and Robin, but, but it hasn't really been investigated. Um, the relationship with her parents hadn't really been investigated and Clive, we know she worked with Clive. We know that was a close relationship, but kind of what it was like in the room. And of course we have Clive Davis to tell, you know, to, to inform us and to is a wealth of information and just um, his personal stories and his recollection of actual conversations and, and Ricky Minor. Um, we, I love Ricky Minor, who was her band leader and musical director. And he was also a consultant on the movie and very available to us um, and just, a wealth of stories about their relationship and his working relationship with her and, and his friendship with her. And I don't think that had ever been explored, you know? So, absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love- I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stop. Oh, no, on. I was just saying that that's what I loved <laughs> so much. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, you had brought up John and Whitney and their relationship. I, I learned so much more about that father-daughter relationship while watching your movie compared to the other stories that have been told. So thanks for sharing that aspect of Whitney's life. Cause it just feels like sometimes there's this path that that salacious path, the term that you use that people want to go down. And there's so much more to Whitney than just, you know, the last chapter of her life. Um, kind of expanding on that a little bit more. There are notable moments of Whitney's life, like the Super Bowl performance, which we see mm-hmm. in your film. Um, and then there are other moments like the Diane Sawyer interview, which, we didn't see. So when crafting this together, what was the priority for you in focusing on the notable moments that made sense to this story? And like I said, we had a lot of material. So so there were times when Diane Sawyer was, you know, where we we uh, we used some we used Whitney's um you know, we we worked closely with Whitney's interviews in terms of informing us. And there were times where we would cut pieces of things in, we would experiment with things um Basically, we came to hone and hone and hone and hone the story and focus on what was important to us and what was important to to all of us, you know, the producers, but and what was important to me. And I think what was important to me and to and to Anthony McCartan, who wrote it was it was it was love stories. You know, her life was filled with love. Um, Not all of them were healthy relationships. They were complicated relationships, but that it was, that's the way I thought of it as interconnected love stories, her love story with Robin, her love story with her father, her love story with her mother, her love story with Bobby, her love story with Clive. And in some ways, very significantly, the love story with the audience. And, um, and that's really what I was trying to, to bring out. So um, I wanted you to feel the Diane Sawyer interview. Mm. You know, I wanted you to feel I'm my own worst enemy. I wanted you to feed some of the some of the things that she said that were important to us to absorb that because it was in her words. How do you how do I just um, infuse the movie with those things and I don't have to show it? 
And Clive Davis is a very integral part of Whitney's life. And it's on record that Clive Davis wasn't pleased with the previous films and depiction of Whitney um, and other stories that have been made about her. But this film really unpacks their professional relationship mm -hmm. in a way that we haven't seen before. So what was your own working relationship with Clive while working on this film? Well, he was very involved in the film. So, you know, we would talk on the phone. I went to his house and sat in his theater and watched his his movies of Whitney and, you know, very, um, very kind of rare footage that he had in his collection. Um, you know, he would tell us anecdotes about about her um, uh, anecdotes that that were resonant and that made their way into the film, you know, um, conversations that they had. Um, moments that they shared you know uh, so he he was he was very involved and um I, I appreciated his involvement is there there's so many great scenes and great moments in this film um and as a director I know that there are probably technical aspects and artistic aspects that you're focused and honing in on but is there a scene that resonates with you that still sticks with you long after the film has been completed and done well um Long after is is um I haven't experienced that yet because we just finished it. <laughs> <laughs> we just finished it. Um, but but yeah, the one there are many things that stick with me. Um and meant the and the scenes that I love for a different reason, but I'll tell you one scene that I love and I'll tell you the reason why I love it. Um I love Clive finally telling Whitney that she needs rehab. Um, and I love the scene. Um, I love it on a writing level. I love it. But I love it because it's this magic that actors can bring when they're really gifted. That was Stanley Tucci's first day on set. Oh. And yet he was they were able to create this relationship that felt so lived in and so authentic, this decades old friendship on the first day that they're working together. And I feel like that's movie magic, you know, that's that kind of chemistry between actors and, um, you know, the character preparation that allows you to suddenly say, hi, hello, you know, great to see <laughs> you, you know, nice to meet you, boom, dropped into 20 years into your friendship. Yeah. And that always has been a magical experience for me. Um, I, I, I've had it in other movies. I had it in Talk to Me, especially where um, where Don Cheadle and Chiwetelogy Ford played a scene at the end of their relationship um, on one of the first days. And I, I mean, I think that that, I don't know, it's just magic. I thought they were so good, so incredibly good that you absolutely believe that they're 20 years into their relationship and and he's talking to an old friend and finally saying something that needs to be said. So I, I love Naomi's performance in that scene. Um, I think they're both extraordinary, but I've got to say, I, I can't, I mean, there's so many scenes, but I loved Nafisa and, and Naomi just would light up when they saw each other and they really lit up the screen for me. And I think they will for the audience, you know, um, where they're just so compelling together. And so I loved those scenes as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I love that you brought up the scene with Clive and uh, Whitney in that moment, because yeah, he's telling her, you know, you can't do it all. And then he talks about 
uh, artists that he's worked with before, like Janis Joplin. Um, and then he mentions Judy Garland and just like that, the tragedy that the that sealed their fate. Um, so you get to see beyond that working relationship that Whitney and Clive has in that moment and that they're, um, you know, more than that, the, the personal aspect of it. So I appreciate that, again, that we're seeing uh, more of the relationship between Clive and Whitney in this film um, that we haven't been able to see in, in other depictions of her. Was Clive at all involved in the filming of that moment? Did he give sort of footnotes or say, this is what I said in this scene? He, he had some things that he had said um, that that he, he you know, wanted included. Um, but it, I mean, interestingly, Clive's comments in that scene had to do with... Um, portraying his his sexuality in a way that um that was authentic as well you know mm. it's in the scene also Whitney kind of finds out about his bisexuality you know and and I think that 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 was really special because she she was also you know sexually fluid especially you know early on and um I don't know I think that I think yeah he he had some input in the scene definitely absolutely um one of the things that I also really love about this movie is that it's it digs into the music. And I didn't realize how much I knew of every Whitney song until I watched this movie. Here I was singing. Luckily, I was in a theater by myself. Uh, so I found myself singing the songs and I knew every word to every song. So how important was it for you guys crafting together this movie that the music became kind of a character of its own yeah well I mean that was that was always the intention you know we knew that we wanted to celebrate the music and and talk about her as an artist and as a performer um to me the music that the there were element that the interesting thing about shooting all these performances was trying to find the story in the song what's the story behind the song so it's this performance and, the, and every song is a story you know, as Sissy says to her, every song is a story, but there's also what is the story on a personal level? What is what is going on right now? Um, you know, and trying to make everyone a little bit different and have everyone move the story forward. Um, you know, that was really the fun and the and the challenge of it. But yeah, I also know every song. You know, I was like, why do I know every single word of Impossible from Cinderella, right? <laughs> you know, why do I know that song, every word? And why do I know every word of these songs? And we do. They're they're embedded in us in a really interesting way. Um, you know, that's what Whitney did. Yeah, it definitely speaks to the magnitude of her impact on all yeah. of us. So what what is next for you? Obviously, you're now in campaign mode. You're promoting this film. You just wrapped. So I'm sure you need to take a breather for a bit. But what what's next for you as far as your projects go? Um, well, as far as my projects go, interestingly, there's a script that I wrote for Whitney that I'm going to to do. Um, we're I think I I'm hoping it's my next film. Um sometimes you know movies surprise you <laughs> uh, but I that's it that is kind of an interesting there's some sort of interesting relationship it's a, a movie I've always wanted to do um since Whitney was attached to it but uh yeah I, I'm thinking that might be uh, my next movie it's an original it's a drama character drama um it's it's fiction 
Okay. Uh, so yeah, um, that's a movie that I really want to make. What's next for me, right next for me is I'm going back to teaching or going back to NYU and <laughs> teaching my grad students and helping them with their movies. So that's what's on the immediate horizon. Some lucky students there that get to be shadowed by a big Hollywood director. That's awesome. Um, well, Casey, thank you so much. Again, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you. I've been a fan of your work for so many years and um, I loved this film. It was beautiful. And thank you for sharing a part of Whitney's life that is more than just the tragic figure. And um, I hope that everybody else gets to have the same experience that I did while watching it in the theater. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and you know it's the holidays, right? So you know what you're doing. You're kicking it with your family. You're chilling with your friends. You know, maybe your college friends. Because guess what, you guys? They're doing it to us again. I'm sad, you guys, because it's the final chapter. But I'm talking about the best man. They have been timing it out so perfectly. They hit us at the holidays all the time. We all in our fields, all in our emotions. You know, every time around the holidays, but like that, like I said, they're wrapping it up for their final chapter. And you know, they're not letting the main crew, you know, you got Harper, Jordan, Lance, you know, they're not going out, you know, without a couple of, you know, extra guests and extra people that's coming on the cast here that's mixing it up a little bit. Cause you know how they get down. It's got to be full of drama, but it's all love and fun. So that's why we love this franchise. And I am joined today by actor Arthur Terrell, Ter- or Terrence Terrell. Look at me trying to get my T's going here. <laughs> Um, and you know, but he's playing Will, you guys, and Will has so many cool layers and secrets to him, and I can't wait to get into it. Terrence, how you doing? Hey, baby, how you feeling? Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. Like I said, Will is so much fun, but I want to back up for a second because we almost started. We almost started getting into it, you guys, because right. I love the roles, you know, from Botch, you know, and it just it, it just keeps going on and on the way you mix comedy, you know, with the action. But kind of tell us a little bit about like how you choose your characters. And I just want to mention too, a lot of your like amazing roles. All the shows start with B. By the way, I was noticing that. <laughs> like some of them, like you have because you got bigger, be positive. Oh, bigger. <laughs> <laughs> be positive uh, yeah and you know wow. boss you on there for a little bit i just thought that was cool i mean you know he's gonna mix it up now you know you got best man he's gonna do some other stuff you know that he's been he's been working on you know like giants and all that but i just thought that was cool to point out yeah um these characters i feel like you know being an actor you're always thinking like oh my god i didn't get that part oh my god i didn't get this part oh my god right and um the funny thing is be positive was actually ending we knew that that show was coming to an end so they announced uh that was um being canceled a day later it announced that i was on best man so yeah. you know what i mean i've always yeah. said you never want to get comfortable at all in anything in life art relationships not saying break up with people but i'm saying like you should always evolve to another yeah. level so i feel like these characters chosen me and all the characters that i thought i wanted to do and the opportunities that i was like oh man i missed out Thank God I didn't get them because it would have kept me from getting these amazing characters. Like Will, he came up and and I was like, oh, he's he's. I can't give it away too much because it's a lot. Right? Yeah, we tips right. on you guys. We tips on because you you don't want to miss <laughs> this. You got to get ready. December twenty second, by the way, Peacock, get ready. Yeah. So he's 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 cool. He's confident, and mm. then also he's very spiritual as well. And like me, I just got into being confident and being more spiritual and actually being grounded a little bit more. So Will came right at the right point to basically confirm what I've already been working on. Um, yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah, you know, um, and you know, too, like we about to break it down some more about Will here, but I want to go back for a second, um, because you're also an author, which I think is so cool. Yeah. Um, these children's books, like I wish you got this needs to be visual. Like next time we do this needs to be visual because you guys, this background yeah. is dope right now. You got the books and everything, the kids' books in the background. Um, but it's called like I Crown Media or I Crown Me just in itself mm-hmm. makes a statement, right? And yeah. then you talk about your books, like the little black book and, you know, skin deep kind of talk about why it's important to you or what is that message that you want, you know, for little black boys or just black men in general that you want the world to know. Wow. And I'm, I don't, I'm getting goosebumps. So that means I'm about to say something good. Um, especially with yesterday, with what happened with Twitch, um, mm-hmm. been in that dark place as an artist, as a human, as a black man, since I was eight, blackie came about when I was 30, I wrote about when I didn't want to be. Um, dark anymore and i uh, we have another thing skin deep my um my um short story that's coming out we got some people working on that um selena gomez but uh we got some stuff coming up but i just in those moments of darkness i just remember being depressed and always feeling like i was alone so i was i've learned since my grandmother passed mom passed i've watched all the people who are responsible for me being here they either passed in my arms or i discovered them after they left so I've learned a long time ago how to manipulate that energy and put it into my art. So Blackie came about because I didn't want to be dark when I was a child. And I realized as a grown man being 6'6", 252 pounds and wearing size 12, I didn't realize how big I was, how tall I was, because I always came in a room trying to shrink myself while still working in corporate America. Like, you know, trying to shrink myself so nobody could see me. And or I didn't have to show up 100% myself. So these books were outlets and journal articles that I wrote for myself to look back on. And they just became a point where everybody could reflect as a mirror for people. Blackie, like I said, it was about me not appreciating my dark skin at the age of 31 and actually getting right. that out, not being ashamed to say that I didn't like my skin color. Now, if I get scratched or something, I'm like, no, the power. <laughs> but back <laughs> then, I was like, oh, my God, I wanted to be light-skinned like my grandmother. And, you know, she fed into me a long time ago, let me know my power. But the she, Superheroes Every Day, was about my mother. My mother just passed. And instead of going into that dark space and what was me, I put that into art to help possibly other people who are going th- through things. And I put all my mother's insecurities that she was dealing with in her journal um, that I read when she passed. I put that into a book with little girls. So now these little black, brown babies, little girls in the world can know that, yes, boys are cool, but women, y'all operate on a whole nother level. Like my mother, no matter what, there was all, she always made her way out of no way. So she always was like superwoman. Um, the she, the uh, crown kids is just about community because I have a host of different color friends that come to care. It just makes the conversation so much better because we're not just talking about one thing. It's like right. everybody's bringing different things we can ask questions about people's cultures, not feel stupid in a circle, but trying to get educated. You know what I mean? And then uh, my little black book happened. I'm the head mentor for Mrs. Tina Knowles Lawson. I always say Mama Tina. But um, <laughs> Beyonce's mother, she has Angel Warriors and Richard's, um, Richard Lawson. He has um, Tina's and Angel's um, war- Angels and Warriors. So mm-hmm. I'm the head mentor for that, which is a blessing because, like, they're, I consider them family. I've met Beyonce several times and just seeing how hard they work, how, how graceful and beautiful and how much they give back on a daily. Right. Um, we were after George Floyd in the um, COVID, I was like, what can I do? What can I do? We just got off a call with all the kids because Miss Tina wanted to check in with them because George Floyd literally just happened the day before. And these babies are crying and like there's 80 Zoom screens. They're crying, screaming, they're scared to be black. 
And so I'm like, I need to do something. So I start to write again. Um, and I came up with my little black book where he's basically going to his grandmother's house and he's reintroducing us to all these amazing black creators um, who've invented things that if it wasn't for these amazing people, we would literally be in the dark because the black man invented a light bulb. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. just giving back like that, um, I know that's the reason I've been blessed to do what I've done in my career. And I'm still doing things like every week I'm mentoring. We have a party for all the angels and warriors tomorrow, like 80 kids that are coming. We're giving clothes, all kind of stuff to them. So it's like, you have to give back. And I learned that from Miss Tina as well. Give back now. Don't wait until like, Oh, once I do this, I'm going to no, start giving back. Even if it's just checking on somebody or giving somebody a Gatorade when it's hot outside, like you can really right. change people's lives just by a little bit of kindness. So we need to all treat each other a little bit better. Yeah, and it's so important. And you know, by the way, sorry to hear about your mom, by the way. Um, oh, no, it's powerful. She's on a hold. When I tell you, I yeah. that she's not here because she's such a present in my life still. Mm -hmm. so it's, and it's I think that's point. important, too, by the way, to share, because um, I appreciate you sharing that, by the way, because people listening to this now, you know, if you're going through something, just being open to share, you know, these yeah. days is, is very powerful that people don't realize just somebody to listen and somebody just, you know, just start talking about something. Just try yeah. to do, you know, one little thing you know, that probably makes you feel better, that makes somebody else feel better. Like you said, giving a Gatorade, just something different because we're just in that space now, you know, where people are just so, it's, you know, it's virtual too. So you feel even more cut off sometimes and yes. just being able to have like those little, like you said, those little books for the kids, like something where they feel like somebody said, okay, I see you. It's yeah. okay. I get where you at. Yes, that's exactly. And that's why it was so important to make sure these characters look like kids that want to look like them, you know, because when I was growing up, Lil Bill, was it Lil Bill, the little ball yeah. head thing? You said, I look like Bill, we fighting on the playground. Right. <laughs> so with right. my characters, yeah, yeah. I wanted to make sure they had swag so that the kids can be like, oh, he looks like me or she looks like me. Um, and they can relate to them, uh, what they look like, but also relate to their feelings as well. So we got to yeah. get back. We got to start treating each other a little bit better. Because if we did all our ancestry DNA, a lot of us, all this racism, craziness, hey, we'll be pissed off a lot because, yeah. We, we're a big mixture of a whole bunch of different things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to, to, to kind of pivot here and talk about the mixture and just representation, that's yeah. one of the things, um, you know, that you love about, you know, a show or like a series that we have now for best for the best man, because yes. you have so many talented, you know, highly melanated people behind the camera, in front of the camera, and it's so many different varieties. Like you have somebody over here, you know, that's just not feeling it today, and they screaming it up, they going crazy cutting it up, but then they coming back and they crying the next scene. You know what I mean? Like it's so many different ranges within this cast. And just talk a little bit about, you know, like discovering Will, and what does Will kind of mean to you and represent for you? Will means to me, one, when I was a child, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. Eddie Murphy was my idol, still is. Yeah. Um, so Will, to me, is amazing character, strong, confident man, smart. He's not just the typical black dude who has swag. He has a lot of different layers and a lot of black men letting the world know that we have layers. We're not just one way. Yes, it's great to be strong, but I cry on a daily if I need to. There's a lot of different things. So Will is that. Um, and then also just... I always think about my younger self. So Will also, any little child that looks up to this during Christmas, such a powerful time, they can actually see somebody with the beard and the dark skin. Yeah. And I'm on mm -hmm. TV and you can do this too. If my country ass can do it, everybody can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Beyonce, right? 
Yeah, it is so, it is so, and I gotta say, you guys, you have to check this out. Like, I'm tiptoeing around, but even your introduction is just so cute with, you know, playing opposite of Nia Long with Jordan because it's, it's such a, it's so lighthearted and it's such a little detail, you know, when they first meet, like things you notice about Jordan that Will notices about Jordan, you know, that you think maybe men aren't paying attention to. Oh, they're not getting that. They're not picking that up. And, you know, to show that on screen, it's like, you know, well, pay attention, observe, you know, interact with each other differently. Even when he said you must sleep with your phone and she was like, no, like, oh, you sleep with your laptop. Like it's always yep. hustle, hustle. The hustle of life, if we hustle too much, we can lose out on life. Even my yep. god baby Jacob, he walks with his head down a lot. Like, And I'm like, mm -hmm. baby, you got to pick your head up. You don't miss the whole world. So that's also what Will is a symbol of on this um, show. Yeah, and it's so, and I'm curious too. Um, what are you kind of like? Does uh, I was gonna kind of say, uh, how did you kind of kind of step into this role? Because he's very he's he's kind of slick, but he's not a bad slick. He's, he's like a a double, he has double sides, so you know, right when you like suspicious <laughs> at first, and it's just so fun because Jordan is that character, right? That thinks she has like everything figured out. She's like very business mind oriented, and she's just throwing like she's going from left to right, just throwing him off any way she can, or any way he can. He can he's just like popping up. And you're like, but was he just right on that side? And, and why is he doing this right now? So what is I guess what is the I guess the question would be what was it like? I guess you know opposite me alone and kind of just playing that mystery. You know what I mean? Like that's insane to me. That was crazy. I that bet, yeah. The first day I saw her, she was walking. I heard her voice. And, you know, we're programmers. You know, I've been hearing that voice on TV for so long. Yep, I heard yep. her voice, and it was still like it wasn't real. I think I had an out-of-body experience. And then we had to work. That first scene was with me and her walking on that path with the camera. That yeah. was my first time actually working with her, looking oh, into her wow. eyes. There was yeah. no chemistry read, testing. It was like... You're going to DR tomorrow, and Nia Long is about to be in your face, going back and forth with you. So not just learning my lines, but the power of this actress and this idol is in front of me. The, yeah. the, the sex symbol that we all, as little boys, like, oh, my God, Nia Long. She's in front of me and talking yeah. back and forth. And I got to also be a fan, but also be a great scene partner with her. And those eyes that she has, it was just Oh my God, it was it was it was a lot going on, and um, bet, but she yeah. was so giving. She was like, "T, put your chin down. You work. You look. You have so much power. Put that chin down." And them eyes that you got, direct them straight here. You know what I mean? Like she, then she started talking about cameras. She's very knowledgeable, um, and I expect her to be because she's a legend. But it was right. so much fun giving back. Uh, but at the same time, it's near long. So like you said, it was a lot of slickness with Will. So I had yeah. to like jump into that a lot. And still, like, keep her on her toes. So it, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was fun, but it wasn't easy. I better say, I can't believe there was no chemistry read or nothing because you guys no just pop, like, when these things happen. It's crazy. It got to a point where even when I wasn't on set with them, I would literally just go and watch. Like, when I first saw Morris, it was, I came up to him. And, you know, as actors, we come on set and, you know, everybody's feeling themselves because we're actors and, you know, right, it's all right, about right, right. me, yeah, right? Yeah. But when I saw that man, Tay Diggs, um, and I saw Tay on Warner Brothers a lot a few times, but when mm -hmm. I saw Tay Diggs, uh, Harold, Terrence, Howard, yeah, men, I remember each one of them, I walked up and had a moment with them before we even um, started filming. I was like, thank you, especially Morris. I was like, thank you for doing what you've done in your career. Because if it wasn't for you, there would not be any me. You know what I mean? And Morris was like, hold on, what's your name? 
He's like, I knew that, but I was like, I'm sorry, I'm Terrence Terrell. It's just so amazing to be here with y'all and in his energy. So even when I wasn't working, I was just on set soaking everything up. And watching it, we get so nervous and scared with these people. But watching that, yes, they don't know all their lines. They, they're just like us. It's just a different level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what, too? Speaking of different level, though, I got to I gotta switch up gears real quick because I got to get off of this because I'm going to get in trouble because I don't want to spoil it for y'all. By the way, let right, me tell you. Are, I'm, I'm trying to tiptoe around this. And you keep- yeah, like I feel bad because I don't want to spoil because I'm telling you guys do not want to miss this final chapter. It is so cool. They go like they in the DR. They coming back to you. It's like so many places. They're, they're all over. Um, But, you know, again, December 22nd, Peacock, get that subscription. Peacock. You don't want to miss it. It's wrapping up, you guys, and check it out. I'm sad, but they doing the thing. It's It's so cool to see this. Um, come back. But I'm going to switch here because you talk about, you know, transformer kind of stepping up the level a little bit. When I checked out your Instagram, it was a full on like model model page here. Like you got you were on the the premiere for Avatar and you chilling in the car like the suit is just fly and just um and just fire. And so I just got to ask you, like, when you're talking about going to these different levels, what does the clothes, what does the fashion kind of add? Because, you know, we don't always get to ask, you know, men about their fashion and how they like to fit into their, you know, accessories and all that. Look, y'all, he is laughing so hard right now. But I'm telling you, I was checking this Instagram page out right now. I'm laughing because, one, I'm a Virgo. So uh, everything you see, I want you to see. But two, it's so, because people, I don't think people see it, but thank you for acknowledging that. But Terrell Ransom All-Star, he's my stylist, and I've known him for 13 years. So he knows me in and out like Mm -hmm. he's my best friend. Um, So with this, even with Best Man, I was in there. It was the first couple of days we were DR. I'm in my room. I'm like, T, I want to wear a red suit to the premiere. He was like, okay, well, fine. I'm like, no, nah, it needs to be velvet. It needs to be this. And so I bought velvet red bottoms. I was like a month or two before. And then I went to Vegas when I was shooting Obliterate, my new Netflix show. And I found saw that suit. And all I remember, remember Eddie Murphy. All I saw was yep. Eddie Murphy raw. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be the suit. And so even coming back home, Terrell went through my closet. Like, yeah, you can't wear this no more. No more of this. You, if you need to go to the store, it's only this brand. This, this, this. So I have, I have an amazing stylist who gets me. Uh, but like... My grandmother was a fashionista. You know, my grandma was classy. She had the furs. She had the church dresses. She had dresses that she never even wore, still in plastic. So watching her, like she'll say, if you wear all black, you can pop it with a pair of shoes. Just like watching little things when I was a kid to now being able to implement it. And like you said, they don't ask men about their fashion. Yeah. Uh, I was on, on, on this, um, the carpet. It was like, Terrence Terrell, what are you wearing? I'm like, oh, Dolce Gabbana. And then next thing you know, the next night, I got invited to a private Dolce Gabbana dinner because nice. of that. Yeah. Hey, so it's like, uh, my grandma always say, a man needs to have good shoes, uh, brush your teeth, <laughs> and make sure you have clean drawers on. Because if you get in an accident, they ain't going to save you if you got dirty drawers on. They, uh, the emergency ambulance. <laughs> So I'm a very Southern, I was raised like a Southern gentleman, which he always used to say. So with the colors, all that is just another form of art expressing myself. But I love clothes. I have two storage rooms full of clothes and shoes. Oh, and man. It's a whole situation. Well, look, you wear it well. It's, it, I was just like, I was just, I was just scrolling through. I was like, what? Don't you think about it? We had like the suit for days. I was like the post. Even the diamonds on the arms. Yeah, right, the diamonds on the, the arms. You had like, no, you had like one like face. It was, it was like a face mask kind of, but it was like blinged out chains. I was like. Yeah. I was like, boy, I was not expecting on the, you know, like you just be scrolling through Instagram and everybody, be, but it's just like a whole other level. So I'm just like, you know, Terrence, the new fashionista icon. I'm just going to put that out there. That's what we're doing. 
<laughs> but yet, especially as big as I am, there's not a lot of clothes for people six six. There you and, go, like, that too. Yeah. So we went yep. through all that. So Terrell was like, "Oh, and you know, I do music too." So he's like, "Oh, we don't start customizing your stuff. Like you got to get, we got to get people get fabric and have people make stuff." And I seen Miss Tina do this, like mm-hmm. going getting fabric and just making an outfit. So now it's like there's no, there's nothing in this world you can't do if you just put your little mind to it and heart. Whatever yeah. you want, everything, no matter if you at McDonald's, whatever you want to do in this life is possible. You have one life, so live that motherfucker crazy every second. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And you know, speaking of living it crazy, let's get into some obliterated, obliterated here before Ooh. we leave. Ooh. Let's get into that a little bit because I saw a trunk and what can you, what can you tease? Because I know this is going, when well, you just read the description on this, you know, this is going down right now on, on Netflix. So what can yes, you tease uh, us? Obliterate trunk. So like with these auditions, I don't hold them with white knuckles in the sense of I don't hold onto it. I right. can audition for something and I'll book it the next day. They'll be like, you, you got a call back. And I'm like, for what? And then my manager Kay was like, for obliterate. I'm like, what's that? And she's like, you wore, you had this on in the self tape. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, because you got to release that shit into yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, whatever. But obliterate is about, we play, I play a Navy SEAL and we, um, we have CIA agents. We're the best of the best. We go save the world undercover from a bomb, from Russian bomb. And then we go out to Vegas, get fucked up on every drug you can imagine. Oh, and no. then we got 48 hours to save the world from the real bomb because we get a call after we fucked up that the bomb is fake. So now this is like, it's full action, um, gun training, tactical training. I was training Man. two times a day, just working out Ooh. with a trainer in my, by myself to oh. take it to that next level. And there was a point where, and it's, it's going to be good. Uh, it was a point, it's eight episodes on Netflix, but they're hour long. So it's basically, we shot eight movies over five, five, um, five oh. months. And yeah. uh, there was a point where I was there in the compound. Uh, I was doing some stuff in the scene and there was a mirror. I looked up and I had blood and everything on me with a gun, but oh. full action. Like we yeah. jumped on the ship, falling out of hell. It's a lot going on. Right. And I remember looking up into that mirror. I had to, it took everything for me not to cry in that moment because I saw my little self looking up to my big self like, oh, oh shit, this is, like, we here. This is right. what it is. Like, you a big black motherfucker. You here, like, you're an action hero now. <laughs> so I was, and then they were like, action. So I had to go straight into it. But it, it's a crazy, crazy show. Um, Josh Hayden and Josh, uh, Josh Hayden and John, they did Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. Hot Tub Time Machine. They yep. did American Pie Reunion. So it's comedy, it's drama, it's um full action like it's something i've never thought i was ever going to do it's we're superheroes but we're real people on this so and i'm, and I'm the only black one on here and we have different uh, varieties of different ethnicities but i love this show because it's going to show the world no matter who you are who you love whatever color you are whatever you do in this world you can save the world if necessary so like you can be a superhero too you know, ladies and gentlemen, Terrence Terrell here, you know, doing a big superhero, action star, fashionista. This has just been fun, Terrence. You got to come out. You got to come and hang out with us again. Talk to Black Girl yeah. again. Yes, let me know I'm here. And congratulations. Thank you for doing what you're doing. There's somebody out there, little black girls looking up and aspiring to be you. So you're making a difference as well. So thank you for all your love and energy. Hey, I appreciate that. I'm hoping I'm bringing you a lot of energy because you're bringing the energy as well. I'm telling y'all one more time, you better check this out, you guys. Y'all better check it out. Support. If y'all want stories like this, we got to show up and support to keep this shit going. We're not just going to wait for a movie once every three years to then support. Support now. So these are legends. So tune in uh, December 22nd, Peacock, because we going full throttle. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that part support people keep it going. Cause you know how it goes. We, like you said, we don't need that movie like air five years and y'all just jumping in. Everybody yeah. support right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tess, I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, baby. The black girl nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.